Father Benedict Rochelle is not only a priest, he is also a licensed clinical psychologist with his PhD from Columbia University. That means he's very smart. It also means he understands the workings of the human mind pretty well. In this regard, Father Groeschel makes a very interesting statement in his newest book, which I just finished, called The Virtue-Driven Life. He says, human beings have three great fears. To be no one, to have no one, and to have nothing. And these three fears cause people to be self-centered and ungenerous. I read that line the other day. It's toward the very end of his book. And I was reading it at the same time that I was preparing for this homily. And that line really struck me in this regard. I thought to myself, that's amazing. Those are precisely the three temptations Jesus Christ faced after his 40-day fast in the desert. Now, Father Groeschel doesn't make that connection directly in his book between the three temptations and the three fears, but it's true nonetheless. This means that in dealing with these three temptations from the devil, Jesus was actually facing the three greatest fears that we face in our human lives. Let's take them in the order Father Groeschel mentions them, which is actually the opposite order that Jesus experienced them in this story. Human beings, he says, have three great fears. The first is the fear of being no one. That is to say, it's the fear of being a nobody, the fear of not being recognized, of not being affirmed, of not being appreciated for who we are and what we do. Satan mistakenly thought that he could find this fear somewhere inside of Jesus and use it to lead our Lord into sin. So he took Jesus to the very top part of the beautiful temple in Jerusalem. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. He was quoting to Jesus the 91st Psalm, the psalm that we heard today sung a few moments ago. That was our responsorial psalm. In effect, the devil was saying to Jesus, Look, Jesus, I know who you are. I know you're one of those really important people that God the Father will protect. But you see all those men and women down in Jerusalem? They don't know that. They think you're just an ordinary man. You look like everybody else. So why don't you show them who you are? Just throw yourself down from here. It says in the 91st Psalm, God the Father will send a whole flock of angels from heaven, and they'll catch you, and they'll keep you from stubbing your toe on a stone. That's how much you'll be protected. And everybody in the city will see this happening. They'll look up at you and say, wow, here's a guy who can fly. He must be special, really special. 
And then they'll listen to you. That's what you want, isn't it, Jesus? You want people to listen to you. You want people to follow God the Father. Well, <laughs> then they'll do it. They'll take you seriously. That was a pretty good temptation on Satan's part. A very strong one. Jesus resisted it. Why? How? Well, very simply, Jesus was able to resist this temptation because he had a perfect relationship with his heavenly Father. That was the key. Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew he was loved by his Father with a perfect love. And so he was completely secure, completely at peace in that knowledge. Consequently, he wasn't afraid of being a nobody. But sometimes... We can be. And it's important for us to recognize that fact. Because this kind of fear can lead us into very serious sin. It can lead us very easily to compromise our moral principles. We have some teenagers here today. How many teenagers say this? Or if they don't say it, they at least think it. I want to be accepted by my friends. I want them to think that I'm cool, like they are. I want them to think I'm a somebody. So I'll go drink with them on Friday and Saturday nights. I don't really like to drink. I don't like the taste of beer. But I'll endure it, because then they'll think I'm important. Then I will be accepted. How many adults say, I want my co-workers to like me. I want them to think I'm important, that I'm somebody special, that I'm like they are. So I'll talk and I'll act just like they do. I'll swear a little bit. I don't like to swear. I don't even swear at home. But I'll do it there at work. I'll tell the dirty jokes. I'll laugh with everybody else. Because then they'll think I'm a somebody. See, that's the fear of being a nobody. It's very subtle and very powerful. This is probably the fear, incidentally, that drove Anna Nicole Smith to do a lot of the things that she did in her 39 short years on this earth. Here we have a woman who, aside from her appearances in Playboy magazine, was basically famous for being famous. And you have to ask, why? Why did she do all that? Why did she live the kind of life she lived? A life of substance abuse, a lot of substance abuse. That's coming out more and more in the press. A life of shallow, broken relationships. A life of moral degradation and sexual promiscuity. Why? I think it's all tied in with this kind of fear. You see, people like Anna Nicole Smith desperately want to be loved. We all want to be loved. They really want to be loved, perhaps because they were not when they were young. They want others to see that they're special, that they have value. They're deathly afraid of being nobodies. And so they're willing to engage in all kinds of bizarre and even dangerous behaviors for the sake of getting noticed. So that they'll have what Andy Warhol used to call that 15 minutes of fame. 
It's the same reason that a lot of people with terrible voices audition for the American Idol. You ever watch those auditions? They are funny. They really are, a lot of them. Don't they realize how terrible they sound? They probably do, but they don't care. Because then they become important. They can say, I was on that show for two minutes, but I was there. I'm a somebody. The antidote to this kind of fear is a deep, personal relationship with the Lord. That's not pious drivel. That's reality. This is why our relationship with God is so important. It's got to be the most important relationship we have in this life. It's got to be our top priority in this life. Because you see, the more we know and love Jesus, and even more importantly, the more we really know and understand His love for us, the less this fear of being a nobody will control us. Let me put it this way. If I know that Jesus Christ loves me unconditionally, if He's my best friend, if I know He will always be there for me, then I don't have to be afraid of being a nobody. Ever. I will know. I'll always know that I'm a somebody. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. As long as I'm striving to be faithful to Jesus, I have nothing to worry about. Absolutely nothing. The second fear, according to Father Groeschel, is the fear of having no one. Once again, Satan mistakenly thought that he could find this fear inside of Jesus and use it to get Jesus to disobey the Father. So what did he do? He showed our Lord all the kingdoms of the world in all their splendor. And he said, look, Jesus, I'll give all of them to you. I'll let you rule every country on this earth. All you got to do is worship me. In other words, Jesus, you don't have to worry about your future. You don't have to be concerned that someday nobody will care about you. Just worship me. That's all you got to do. Bend your knee. And I'll make you the ruler of all these countries. You'll be all set. When you rule them, you'll have servants everywhere and every place. Thousands of them. People at your beck and call at every moment of every day. You'll never be alone. You'll never be neglected. You'll have everything you want. It's a powerful, powerful temptation. Once again, this fear, the fear of having no one, was not in Jesus. He knew he was never alone. He knew the Father was always with him. And so he said to Satan, you shall worship the Lord your God, him alone shall you adore. Jesus didn't give in to this fear. But we can. Pretty easily. Politicians, for example, who support immoral laws, although they are, quote-unquote, personally opposed, give in to this fear. They're afraid that if they support the right laws, they'll lose the support of the people who put them into office. 
They're afraid they'll stand alone. Priests, ah yes, priests who are afraid to teach everything that the church teaches in matters of faith and morals, even on the tough subjects. Priests who give in to that fear are caving in to the fear I'm talking about in this context. They fear their parishioners won't like them anymore. They fear their parishioners will go to another parish. Hmm. It's a very real one for a lot of priests. Whenever a Catholic fails to speak up for what's right and what's true, when he knows that he should, be it at work or at school or among his friends, that Catholic is giving in to this kind of fear. And we've all been there. Have we not? I know I have. You know, I have a big mouth from this pulpit. <laughs> no news there. But I'll tell you quite honestly, there have been times out there when I know I should have said something to correct somebody to stand up for the truth, and I didn't. A lot of times I do, but sometimes I haven't. Because of this fear, it can affect us all. The last one Father Groeschel mentions, which ties in with the very first temptation of Jesus here, is the fear of having nothing or the fear of not having our needs met. This is similar to the second fear in some respects, but the second one related more to persons. This one concerns possessions. Satan said to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, then command this stone to turn into bread. His message there was, you know, Jesus, you're looking rather thin. You've been out here 40 days, 40 nights. Ooh. Says it's a rotten place. Aren't you hungry? Aren't you afraid of starving to death? You should be. Well, then do something about it. Satisfy your urge. Give yourself a good meal. You deserve it. You can certainly do it. Jesus, of course, knew that his Father would provide for all of his needs. So he rejected this temptation immediately and said to Satan, one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The fear of not having enough wasn't present in Jesus Christ, but sometimes, once again, it can manifest itself in us. Why, for example, do people steal? Why do people at this time of the year cheat on their taxes? Why do people cut corners in their businesses? Why are they sometimes less charitable than they could be, less charitable than they know they should be? In many cases, it's simply because they're afraid. They're afraid that they don't, or they're afraid that they won't have enough. It's as simple as that. So there they are, the three great fears we face during our time on this earth. The fear of being a nobody, the fear of having no one, the fear of having nothing. 
As we've just seen, Jesus was able to overcome every single one of these fears in and through his loving relationship with his heavenly Father. But the good news is, we can also overcome them. Yes, we can overcome these three fears in our lives by finding our strength, our comfort, our support, our security, our peace in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's resolve today on this very first Sunday of Lent to work very hard during this holy season at improving our relationship with Jesus through prayer, by reading the scriptures, by attending Mass more often, at least once or twice during the week in addition to Sunday, by coming to the parish mission in a few weeks, and of course, by going to confession. Let's resolve to improve our relationship with Jesus in these very practical ways and get rid of the fears that afflict us. And as we all know, they do.